0: It's Tuesday, June 30th. Welcome to Market Force. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, back from Hawaii, from million-dollar portfolio
1: Jason Moser, tanned, rested and ready. Tanned indeed, I tell you, man. It is sunny there. I mean, if you're going to invest in one thing, sunscreen's it. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're uh it's like you're Cutting the distance from the sun in half yeah. when you get there. But, uh, Isn't the Aloha state one of our oh more beautiful God, states? Dude, that was my so that was our first time there. Oh. And, and my wife and I were thrilled to be able to, you know, get our daughters over there at a good age. They're ten and eight years old, and we thought it'd be a neat place to go. They could really comprehend it, enjoy it, appreciate it. And Hawaii, let me just tell you, <laughs> buddy, you did not disappoint. <laughs> There are vacations where you appreciate the fact that you have home and you look forward to getting back home. This was not one of those vacations. Nice.
0: All right. We'll talk more about Hawaii in a moment. We will dip into the full mailbag. We will talk about a media merger, but let's start with ConAgra, the consumer foods company. Uh, This is the parent company of brands like Hebrew National, Healthy Choice, Orville Redenbacher. Uh, Fourth quarter profits look pretty good. But it seems like the reason the stock is up is Wall Street applauding the fact that Conagra is selling its private label business. Yep, um, a little bit of a surprise, maybe, when you consider that it was less than three years ago they <laughs> shelled out
1: five billion dollars for this thing. I would say I feel it feels like we were just in here talking about right. that deal not very long ago. I was actually surprised it was three years and time flies. I guess we're having fun. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, is this a Perform is this you know is this a sign of a uh, recovering consumer I, I think you know perhaps I mean Jana Capital I think is what's or Jana Partners is getting in here and kind of I think stoking this along um, interestingly Jana also owns a a pretty good chunk of Solar City shares which is a pretty popular stock around the Foolish universe here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know I mean, it's they didn't give this thing a whole heck of a lot of time. I mean, private label groceries can be very lucrative. I mean, they can be you know ten to fifteen percent more profitable than those than those uh brand names uh in many cases so you and that know, you, was the thesis at
0: the time right when they and and this was not I mean Jana Capital is in there now they I think they have what a seven percent stake. Yeah, a little in, bit more in Conagra, and they were the ones sort of agitating for this move. Um, but it, I think it's worth pointing out that at the time, Conagra paid about five billion dollars for Ralcorp. It's the fall of 2012. It was a move that, at the time, the company said, "This is you know they were making the case that 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 you just laid out that look this is going to increase our profitability. We're, we're now going to be the largest." private label food producer in North America but this was not a deal at the time that was applauded by everyone there were there were detractors saying look you've got brand name products that you mm-hmm. are essentially competing with now
1: yeah and and i think you could see where you know, this sale. I mean, Janice saying, "Okay, hey, let's get back to sort of basics here. Let's cut the fat. Let's let's you know maximize efficiency here. There's a, there's a lot we can do to make this a more profitable operation. You know, sans Railcor and and maybe there, there's an argument to be had there. I mean, it, it seems like maybe Janice sees uh, the opportunity maybe to get ahead of a trend that they see becoming more established in in a you know in, in a Move towards more brand name goods. Now, with that said, I mean, okay, so they're they're seeing consumption of of private label food falling incrementally from twenty nine percent to twenty eight percent or so. But you know, I was looking back over at Whole Foods, for example, which is obviously mired in its own little controversy here with with a waiting scandal. I think that's something that will, you know. Pass in time, but Whole Foods has done such a great job over the course of the past few years, really pushing that 365 in-house brand, and, and the numbers don't lie there. I mean, when you look, their private label brands have grown nicely from 1.5 billion uh, as a total of of, uh, of reven- revenue in 2013 to 1.5 billion dollars uh, as a total uh, per, uh, portion of revenue in 2014. So you can see that, I mean, they are selling more and more private label goods as as time goes on. So yeah, I don't know that that necessarily is a trend. I mean, it is it is a bit of sort of a a lumpy sort of performance there. I mean, whenever in a you know a consumers feeling a little bit challenged, those private labels look a, a little bit more attractive. But by the same token, the private labels have gotten far far better here as, as time goes on, so they seem a bit more compelling. Um, yeah, I think maybe this is one of those things where, where Jana is, is looking. This is maybe a bit more self serving from their perspective. I don't know, but um, you know, I mean, when you when you look at Conagra, they took an impairment charge of about six hundred billion or six hundred million dollars uh, last year in regard to this particular investment. So it is definitely not something that has really, um, you know, benefited benefited their bottom line so far. I, I think you know, Jan has probably lost some patience and wants to to get back to basics and try to make some money from this deal.
0: Well, and you like to think that. Jana Capital and the management, uh, but certainly Jana Capital, are going to be focused on giving them the time to, one, unwind this deal, because yeah. you're not going to sell off the private label business next week, and two, give them the time to, if, if the thesis really is, we're going to focus more on the consumer brand names that we have, well, give them time to make that work.
1: Yeah. I- And I I just don't know that I really uh, agree with bagging this thing so soon. I mean, I think that there's an argument that could be made for getting in there and tightening up the operation while leaving uh, Ralcorp as part of the of the overall operation. I mean, a couple of Ralcorp's key customers are Trader Joe's and Costco. I mean, those are not insignificant. (laughs) I was going to say, are those big
0: companies?
1: (laughs) So I mean, obviously Costco is another one of our favorites in the Foolish Universe. Huge company, just a tremendous presence. Loyal customers, I mean, they're always going to do well with those private label brands there. And I think, you know, Mac, our our own Mac Greer will sit here and tout their shirts until the day he dies. Right. Um, And he'll he'll be buried in one of those shirts. (laughs) And Trader Joe's, uh, I mean, Trader Joe's, there's a lot to like about that concept as well. And that is not a store concept that is shrinking, it is growing. And so I. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there, maybe to tighten up the operations without necessarily getting rid of this thing. But again, this could just be sort of a self-serving uh, move from from uh, Jana. I guess we'll, we'll, that that remains to be seen. But that certainly seems uh, plausible. In 2008, the Walt Disney Company launched Disney
0: Interactive, a standalone division that produced video games and online content. Today, the company announced Disney Interactive will be merging with the Consumer Products Division. And I saw one report online, Jason, where someone was couching this as well, you know, the lines have blurred (laughs) between the Interactive Division and the Consumer Products Division. And that may be true, but it's also true that from a financial standpoint, the Interactive Division has been a bomb. It is just, it is the John Carter of. It is the you know to the extent <laughs> that you're looking <laughs> at the Walt Disney Company and picking out the worst of it. It is by far, they in the first five years of existence, it lost one and a half billion dollars.
1: Yep, I mean this does make total sense, and I mean I I do agree that the lines are becoming more blur between that that digital segment and the consumer product segment. They are essentially one and the same. Uh, Added bonus, it's kind of nice to be able to clean up your reporting, your reporting uh, segments there, and, and sort of unload this uh, one laggard, the one, the right. one constant loser. I mean, it's it's kind of like, hey, I bet you the EU wouldn't mind just kind of rolling Greece into another country and getting rid of that loser, <laughs> right? And just kind of you know, Germany could just absorb it, and, and you know, then then the EU all of a sudden the eurozone looks pretty pretty solid. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be something that. Uh, I, th- I think takes you know a, con- a consistent loser off of their reporting segment. It rolls it into the consumer products uh, department, which is a successful part of the business. This fall, right?
0: I think the fall quarter is when it actually becomes.
1: That's I believe sure. that's what I read. Yeah, yeah, I believe I believe that's what I read. And I mean, what it's you know, the consumer the consumer products uh, division is responsible for ten percent or so of operating income. It's not insignificant. And I mean, that's one of the one of the lovely parts of business of Disney's business model is that they have all of these different ways they can make money. Um, and so this will, I think, just just help them really turn the attention more towards. The consumer products division alone, and I mean to their credit, they the lines are becoming more blurred. But but this this move makes perfect sense. Radio at full.com is our email address. Email from Kevin
0: Jones who writes: I've been listening to your fine and foolish podcast for two years now. And I've done pretty well with my investments. I listen on my commute home each day. You really should try doing a Friday podcast if you can." Uh-huh. Let me stop there for a moment. The reason we don't do a Friday market foolery is because Friday is the day we tape Motley Fool Money, which is our radio show, so that podcast goes up on Friday afternoon. So. Check that out if you get a chance. And
1: that's kind of like a twofer. That's twice as long and you get a special guest. There you go. Not just balloonicorn. (laughs) Guests that actually talk. Exactly. And educate and amuse and enrich. Uh, Kevin goes on to
0: write, there's a company I want to ask you about. It's Harry's. I'm sure you've seen their ads. I've tried their shaver and blades, and I'm amazed with their blades. It's the closest shave I've ever had. I'd be interested in investing, uh, but I cannot find any information on them. Have you tried
1: Harry's? I have not. This is the first I've really heard of it. Now um, I,
0: I, I see their ads online. I've actually tried their. Uh, they have a shaving cream, uh, of some, which is I have to say fantastic. Um, Harry's is a private company. Okay, they have taken a decent amount of. Venture capital money over the last couple of years. So my assumption, and it's only my assumption, it's not anything I've read, but my assumption is that at some point in the next couple of years, Harry's will probably look to go public, particularly if the IPO market continues to be as strong/slash frothy as it's been over the last 18 <laughs> months. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's. That's I, definitely one worth checking out at I least mean, for the products.
1: Yeah, I guess. Like I what is this is a competitor I guess with the Dollar Shave Club as well. Yeah. So, I guess I wonder is Harry something? I mean, I'm assuming you can probably have that stuff sent to your house as well. I mean, I wow, I mean, who who would have thought shaving could have been, you know, potentially a lucrative investment. I if, as I get older, I try to, you know, avoid it as much as I can. <laughs> um, now granted we work in in a place where you could probably get away with that a little bit more often than others, but uh Yeah, that'll be a good one to keep an eye on, for sure.
0: I think the move for Harry's or Dollar Shave Club, if they're looking to throw some endorsement dollars, it's just, you know, find someone from the winning Stanley Cup hockey hockey team and just get them to shave their playoff beard. (laughs) Same thing with baseball, too. Anyway. I like that. uh, Let's talk about Hawaii, because I know you were on vacation, I know you had a wonderful time, but I also know... The business part of your brain did not shut off completely while you were there. So, (laughs) what did you observe? It was funny. What did you take in?
1: I mean, there was was a lot to take in. I could probably sit here for an hour just as a stock nerd and tell you my investing angles that I took away. Um, I mean, it was interesting. I was walking up the shoreline. um, Which island were you on, by the way? So, we were on the big island. We flew into Kona Airport and um, stayed at at a resort called the Fairmont Orchid. Which is right there on the northwest coast. And um I mean words just really can't describe it. It's gorgeous. We, yeah, we got there at night and so we drove from the airport to the to the resort. You don't really see anything. You wake up the next morning, you walk out and you're like, Oh my god, I think I've just died and gone to heaven. This yeah. must be what paradise is. You
0: wake up in a postcard.
1: Right. Exactly. That's perfect <laughs> way to put it. you wake up in a postcard. And and I mean we were all just kind of dumbfounded. Um and so we, we had a, a a lovely long stay there and, and it struck me in the airport on the way home, okay, my investing takeaways, and this was a bit spur of the moment, but I stand by this. I tweeted investing takeaways from trip trip to Hawaii, long trip advisor, short American Airlines, and Kiss a Dolphin. And and I, I stand by those comments because I think, you know, with TripAdvisor, this trip for me was much more enjoyable from a number of perspectives. Revolving around TripAdvisor, being able to look at where we were going, seeing pictures and reading reviews of the actual resort, getting some ideas, some pointers. Um, skipping over to the kiss a dolphin part for a second. I mean, I know that probably sounds a little weird, but I in fact did kiss a dolphin, Chris. As a matter of fact, I kissed a dolphin three times. Um, did the golf? Did did the dolphin have
0: much of a choice in that matter? Or
1: well. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, we paid for the privilege, so well, I imagine <laughs> I imagine she didn't. But it was a it was a really neat experience, um, and I, and I think you know, we I found out about this dolphin quest thing through TripAdvisor, and so I wanted my wife and I wanted to give our daughters a surprise. We were kind of deliberating between a helicopter tour and swimming with the dolphins. And, and it just, all signs were pointing towards Dolphin. So we, sure. I found this Dolphin Quest thing through TripAdvisor, read all these great reviews. So that happened because of that. And so this entire trip, I felt like, was made better because of TripAdvisor. And I am going to be very compelled to go on there and give reviews of everything we did. And, um, and, and so I, I can't encourage uh, those of you enough. If you have a trip coming up or if you're thinking about traveling, I mean, TripAdvisor is just a great resource uh, to have there. American Airlines, on the other hand, Chris, I can't <laughs> say enough bad things. And I mean this reiterated to me why I will never, ever, not in a million years. I'm on a standby that will never invest in an airline. I mean Was it the well They just suck. I not, mean, like <laughs> they just suck. I mean, it just is unreal to me. So I mean I guess there's this merger with US Airways, I think it is. Um but but regardless, we sat on the on the runway the morning we're leaving. For like two and a half hours and they're trying to figure this problem with the plane out. In the middle of it, they cancel the flight, but then they think they can fix it, so then they gotta rebook the flight. We're sitting on the plane the entire time. Bottom line, we sit on the tarmac for two and a half hours, they end up canceling the flight. So we get up at four o'clock in the morning, go to the airport, and we're still it's like eight o'clock, we've gone nowhere. And and so my wife had the wherewithal really to get out and immediately get on the horn with American and say, Like, you better rebook us on something yesterday <laughs> make it happen now and they did to their credit i mean they got us rebooked for a flight through seattle straight to hawaii and it all worked out wonderfully now the the one fly in the ointment here was that we when we got rebooked we wanted to confirm our bags were going to be coming with us because they had already gone onto this plane that eventually was canceled and at the airport we literally were talking to people in person we're talking to people on the phone and we're like, hey, can you just confirm that our bags are making it to the flight that you rebooked us on? You have this information. You know where we're going. Oh, well, you know, we can't really confirm it just one way or the other. I'm like, what do you mean you can't confirm? You know, I mean, just tell me yes or no. They couldn't give us an answer. So my wife and I look at each other. We're like, listen, the bottom line is we need to get there. If it's between the bags and us, I'd rather it be us, you know? Um, but but sure shooting, we got there, the bags didn't make it.
0: Don't you feel like the. Uh the attitude of employees for an airline help tip the balance they do for me in in the they sense can. in the sense that there are always going to be things that are out of anyone's control there's a mechanical problem with the plane there are weather delays there you know there 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 are things that no one neither the passengers nor the employees of the airline can control but i, I i'm always better i'm Always, I, I'm still not investing in an airline, I'm with you on that, but I'm always having a better consumer experience if the attitude of the employees that I'm dealing with is a bit more upbeat, a bit more sympathetic. You know, you get on a Southwest Airlines flight and they're just, they just seem to be having a bit more fun than pretty much any other airline. And just at some point, you just want someone to say, God, this is just, I know this stinks for you. And I'm going to do everything I can. That's all I'm looking for. Just give me, just tell me you're going to do your
1: best. I'm right there with you. And and I think that's what we didn't witness at all with American Airlines that, you know, when we got to Seattle, the connection was, and actually it's an Alaskan air flight that took us to Hawaii. When we got to Hawaii and the bags didn't show up at the airport, of course, we filed a claim with the Alaskan Air people at, at the airport. and And she's like, "Okay, listen, we're gonna do everything we can to figure out where your bags are. blah, blah, blah blah. She's like, go to your resort. You, you know you don't have your bags. You need to go ahead and get whatever you're gonna need to get. So get what you need to get, okay? And then just you know, bring us the receipt. And she was explaining to me that ultimately, Alaskan Air would have to eat the cost of anything that we bought. To to just be able to get by until our luggage get there, which it, it didn't make any sense to me because American Airlines is the one that screwed it up. So so Alaskan airline in theory is going to have to take the hit for this. And so you know we got to the resort and we're like, listen, all you really need is a bathing suit and a good attitude, right? right? I mean, if you have that, then <laughs> because you be good again, to go. you're in Hawaii. <laughs> and so we 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 you know we we did that. We went and we got some bathing suits we had a good night's sleep everything was fine the next day and i think my biggest problem was that there was no proactive behavior on american's part to get this resolved you know my wife and i chased our luggage down and you know we got our luggage the next day it wasn't any major major problem it was the process it didn't impress me one bit and and, and yeah to your point hey amen Planes are gonna, planes are gonna have to be grounded. I mean, there's gonna be. I'd rather be on the ground than in the air with a faulty plane. But yeah, I mean, there just was no proactive behavior on their part, which it just reiterated to me. Like, I mean, airlines are just a commodity. You're just trying to find a way to get to where you want to go with a relatively decent price. Their answer was, "Hey, you know, we'll give you six thousand miles." I'm like, "Give me sixty thousand miles. I couldn't <laughs> care less. I'm not gonna use it. Doesn't matter. You know." <laughs> Give me something else that, that just just give me give me an apology or be a little bit more proactive about it. I mean, this, you see those airlines dish out miles like they're candy. I mean, those things are meaningless.
0: I know you don't want to invest in an airline, but over the last twelve months, shares of Alaska Air Group up thirty five percent. I know I, against a market that's up four. And I
1: looked at it, <laughs> and I looked at American too, and I thought, wow, you know, there are some no. impressive impressive. Short-term performance is there, and I think that's probably the key. There is I think with investing in an airline, if you want to invest in an airline, that would be very much a value style investment in my book, where you want to catch it on, you want to catch it in the trough, and and make sure you get it at the peak. And I'll give one more shout out here to um, a small, a little small cap company called the Craft Brew Alliance, um, that they're responsible for brands like Widmer Brothers and uh, Kona Brewing Company, which. Uh. So, out there, i I made a commitment to myself that I was only going to drink Kona beer out there because they have a number of different flavors for research purposes, and research purposes only. And I can come back with a I can confirm that they do, in fact, have a lot of tasty brews out there. and uh, And so, I came back with a very positive uh, vibe there on on the Craft Brew Alliance, and it's one that I'll continue to keep on my watch list and
0: it is that kind of on the ground research that we bring to you here at
1: Market Fuller. <laughs>